Hey guys, thanks for joining us for the Canacook Institute podcast. If you need more resources as you do ministry, jump onto our website at www.canacookinstitute.com backslash resources for more helps for you as you do ministry. Welcome to the Canacook Institute podcast, where we continue to equip leaders with biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. And welcome back to the Canacook Institute podcast. Uh, with you, as always, is Chad Hampsh. And we are so excited uh, to have in studio today Grant Gaines, the Dean of Men here at the Canacook Institute, to talk about a topic that has impacted all of us, and it's the topic of suffering. And um, we, we felt like this was a conversation that needed to be had for for you, our alumni, and and our listening audience, because it's something that is true to every one of us in our Christian experience, and really in, a, in the human experience. Suffering is a part of what we go through. We wanted to to take some time and focus our energy on the relationship between suffering and endurance uh, as we go through kind of hard things in life, and how Christians really endure suffering differently than the rest of the world. At least that's what the New Testament talks about. And so uh, excited to have Grant with us in the studio. Grant, welcome to the Institute Studios and um, share just a little bit. A, a lot of our alumni know you through from your years here at the Institute, but but the older alumni probably don't. Share just a little bit of backstory. How'd you get here? How long have you been doing this? Uh, wh- how does it match with your gifting and, and hearts? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's fun to be on the, the podcast world here. Like Chet said, uh, Grant Gaines, born and raised Plano, Texas, which is north of Dallas. So have a lot of fun, still going back home, love the great state, but went to school at University of Arkansas, where I really was introduced to Canica camp because seemingly 95% of the student body comes to Canica in the summer. So I heard about Canica, ended up working there throughout summer, which in turn, I heard about the Canica Institute. After graduation, came as a student and then really uh, had the chance to work for camp for couple years and then a spot opened at Canacook and uh or at the Canacook Institute rather and get a hop on board. Now I'm in my seventh year, which is crazy. Getting to be in this role, working alongside you and and uh, all the students, which is really fun. So yeah, my family now lives here. Got a wife named Sarah. We got two kids, Remy, who we'll hear a lot more about as this podcast unfolds. And then also we got a, a son named Graham who's just about a year old. So Really fun. It's fun being here, and uh, we have been greatly blessed to be a part of the Institute family. Yeah, thank you for for sharing that information. And um, you know, we're we're talking about this topic of suffering, and obviously, you and Sarah have gone through a significant event in your life, which we'll share more about. But before we get there, um, I think there's this assumption that probably for people that have suffered well, like you, you went through a lot of suffering growing up. Was that true of your story? Or did you feel like you had a, a, a fairly easy or normal childhood? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you can only suffer so much as the backup quarterback. So, you know, you got not throwing the game, losing interceptions or anything like that, but just no. So normal life as a middle school, high schooler, nothing crazy by the grace of God. I, I don't come from a broken family. Um, no major losses in my life. My, my dad's father passed away when I was really young. So I don't have this horrific upbringing, <laughs> so that's the re- not the reason why I'm on this podcast talking about suffering. So uh, I, I count that as a big blessing not to be here talking about, man, let me tell you the 400 different reasons why I'm on this podcast, but no, typical upbringing, and, but like everyone, suffering is a part of our story and a part of our journey following Christ. Yeah, for sure. So 
did the camp thing, grew up, you know, uh, worked at camp, came to work for the Canuck Institute, got married, you know, kind of all your dreams coming to reality. And then um, you and Sarah find out you're expecting uh, a child and, and, and your story of suffering really starts there. So maybe kind of share that. Sure. Part of the story. Yeah. We decided early on in our engagement that, yeah, children are a blessing from the Lord is what Psalm 127 says. So let's try to have kids from the get-go. And so and basically a month or two into marriage, all right, we're on the on-ramp to that journey, which uh, about 10 weeks later ended with a miscarriage, which we were obviously bummed about, uh, but felt like, okay, this is something that is now in our rearview mirror. We're over the most difficult time of our life. Surely that has to be, yeah, in the past. That's no longer anything that we worry about. But about, I don't know, two years later or so, got pregnant, found out it was a girl. Her name is Remy, which is awesome. We're excited. So Sarah ends up going, and I'm, I'm just going to jump into Remy's birth story, if that's okay. So yeah. Sarah was 41 weeks pregnant, went in. She was being induced to be, uh, yeah, to have Remy. And so as we were sitting there at night, the doctor comes in, kind of checking Sarah, seeing how she's doing, and Sarah's water breaks, which is exciting, fun. This is awesome. The Again, the ball is rolling on our dreams of having a little baby girl. But about a minute later, I have no idea what's happening, but all of a sudden just nurses and doctors come sprinting in and, and pretty quickly they're wheeling Sarah out. And I'm just left in the hospital room by myself with one nurse as she's kind of sprinting out, looking over her so- shoulder, just trying to say, hey, we're going to try and save your daughter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? And so Sarah ends up having an emergency C-section. She had a prolapsed cord, which just, yeah, means things need to hurry quickly if there's any chance for Remy to continue to have any vitality in her. So fortunately, 11 minutes later, Remy was born, uh, which again, was hopeful that, oh, okay, we dodged another bullet. That was a tough moment. But as, again, the story continues to unfold, Remy ended up having a multitude of issues, which moved us from our hospital in Branson up to the NICU in Springfield for several weeks, and then found more issues, which ultimately landed us in St. Louis Children's Hospital for four more weeks, where we found out that she had something called Takiasu's arteritis. Big word really just means she has inflamed arteries. So her arteries where the blood was pumping through to essential organs and other parts of her body were quickly narrowing, which isn't good if you need blood to survive what you do. So they found it out. Fortunately, you know, your body has a tons of essential organs and the one essential organ that you have that you have two of, but only need one of is your kidneys. By the grace of God, that's where they identified, wait a minute, one of those kidneys is not working. Why is this artery thinned? And oh, by the way, why is it thinning in other parts of her body? So again, a a huge blessing from the Lord that it wasn't, oh my gosh, her heart isn't working because she doesn't have any room in her arteries, but like just the providence of God. So uh, yeah, I, I probably spoke a little bit too much and got us into the story, but that's where really we found ourselves in the the school of suffering was up in the NICU for six weeks with Remy. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I know not probably not fun to relive that, but on the same, same token, uh, or a reminder of God's faithfulness. I'm sure every time you look at her, mm-hmm. uh, what went through your mind when you heard the nurse? And I want to make sure I say it right, but we're going to try and save your daughter's life. It sounds like you didn't really know that things were going sideways at that point. And then all of a sudden this nurse says, yeah, essentially I mean, the words you never expected to hear. Yeah, what, what went through your mind, and 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 how did you navigate that? Because that I think that's one of the things we wrestle with is suffering. Is I know what it feels like to suffer, 
I don't know what to do next. Right. Like, what is my next step? Right. To endure well. Yeah. And we can all sit here in the comfort of this studio or wherever people are listening and say, here's the proper response. Mm. But one of my favorite theologians, the great boxer, Mike Tyson, once said that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the nose. And so, man, I got just absolutely knocked off my feet. Whenever the nurses and everyone left, I just, I remember having to sit down, feeling like my entire world was just zeroing in, probably about to pass out. Yeah. Uh, but I just remember sitting there and being like, what in the world is happening? So, um, very caught off guard, very nervous, and every thought in the, under the sun is coming to the mind of, what if they don't save Remy, or what if they don't save Sarah? Like, what happens next? And just very quickly, because I wasn't prepared for that, like, my mind was already, you know, 10 weeks down the road at funerals and this and that, because I was like, goodness gracious, what just happened? I was caught off guard and absolutely terrified yeah. in that moment. Yeah, and it, it it sounds like not only did you have that initial like earthquake shock moment, but then really for for a series of six weeks, it was like snowball, snowball. Like you guys just kept getting hit mm. over and over and over again. Is, is that the way it felt? And how did you endure that well, right? And, and not just the Christian ease answer, but like as you continue to get bad news or, or discouraging news or news that you were uncertain about, how did you continue to, to remain faithful to what you believed? Yeah. That, and that was the hard part is it felt like wave after wave of just bad news. Again, as I said earlier, every time that we moved from point A to point B to point C, it felt like surely the previous point was the worst point. Like we were on the downhill, we're in the clear, this is good. And then just boom, something bad would happen. Different scan, different report, wrong diagno diagnosis or whatever. And so the, the big thing that I think we discovered throughout our time in the NICU was just the, yeah, you know, what endurance looks like or what steadfastness looks like for us. Because in every other area of life, like take running, for example, if you want to remain steadfast or endure a marathon, you can do that with the greatest attitude in the world or the worst attitude in the world. You could win first place, get last place. But as long as you finish 26.2 miles, you endured it like you're good. And then changing to being in the hospital with our daughter. Okay. What act, like, how do we endure this? It's not like in a race, if I say I can't endure anymore, the race is done. The trial is lifted. But if we said that with Remy, it's like no doctor is going to bust in and say, congratulations. I don't know what just happened, but a miracle. Remy's totally healthy. But rather, whether I have the right action or attitude or not, it's going to continue to persist. So I think what we learned far more than endurance being a tangible action, it is a choice of an attitude that we have to take. And I, I wish I could tell you that we did that perfectly and always had a wonderful James chapter one, joy and trials attitude, but we definitely did not. There were more than a handful of times that, yeah, frustration and doubt and fear definitely was the predominating emotion. But again, I, I think we learned a ton about what does it look like just to trust the Lord and, and, and know that his idea of what is best may not match up at all with our ideal of best, but to trust he's infinite, we're finite. We may never understand this if this thing turns south, but God has a plan and we're going to do our best to trust the plan. So on our good days, we walked in that endurance and on the bad days we definitely did not grant that reminds me of romans chapter eight the passage that people love to to grab hold of and say 
you know, God is working all things for the good, for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes and how often we get the word good wrong, hmm. mm-hmm. you know, how quickly it is to, that we are to go, well, what's good for me or, you know, what's good in the moment, but, but really it's God's good. And he's, he's doing something altogether different for our good than maybe we, we realize. Is it, would you say that was kind yeah, of your experience? Yeah, def- he's playing on a far larger scale than we are. He has eternity in mind. I have the next 10 minutes in mind. And my idea of good is always the easiest, most pleasurable thing when God cares about my soul and he cares about the souls of people around me. And so it's just crazy. Again, he has far more than Grant Gaines in mind whenever he was doing that and when he's doing different moments in our lives that he could be saying, hey, this moment of suffering for you could turn out for someone else's good. Like we see multiple times throughout the book of Daniel, where Daniel goes through a difficult time, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through difficult times. And the story concludes by focusing on the king's repentance and him turning to the, towards the Lord. It's almost like God was using someone's suffering to win a, a bystander to himself. Just crazy. I mean, God is sovereign, as we've said, and he's yeah. bigger than us. Yeah, It's just tough to remember, again, when you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah, and that I mean that's really for our listening audience. One, if you're a, you know if you're an alumni or a friend of the institute, and you're in a period of your life where you're going through something big, one we we hear you, um, we feel and have felt where you're at, and um, and I think we want to to be reminded from the Word of God that God's good is always greater than our good, and um, it's so easy. To, to like live life with a magnifying glass and when we're going through those difficult times to, to zero in so tight on the suffering that we're going through that we forget that God is still sovereign and working in a really mighty way all around you, you and your interaction with the nurses and, and, and Remy and, and family members and the people you got to interact with as you suffered. God was at good, doing his good uh, in a really powerful way and and so often we can just get that narrow mindedness when we're going through suffering. And so we're going to come back uh, for part two of this topic of suffering and endurance. And um, we're going to talk more about uh, the steps you took to process through um, what you had gone through. And then uh, a little bit about the, just the scripture and what the scripture has to say about the issue of suffering and endurance and why it's so important, not just important, but really vital for a a Christian who's going through the process of being sanctified, looking like Christ, that we would endure and endure differently than the rest of the world. So we'll be back with part two next time with Grant Gaines. Thanks for joining us here on the Canuck Institute podcast. 